what motivates you through suffering? I asked that question to a group of men this week, and I got a few different answers. One of them said, what motivates me through suffering is knowing that God has a plan. Another one said, what motivates me through suffering is the encouragement and the support that I get from loved ones. Another one said, what motivates me through suffering is knowing that I've been here before and I can do this. A lot of the men, though, were not sure what to say because it's a tough question. What motivates us through suffering? One of them began to tell a story, and the story involved how he, at a time in his life, was very distant from the Lord, and he made decisions that he wasn't proud of, and he didn't give a whole lot of time and effort to God, and he found himself very unhappy and in a dark place until one day when he attended a retreat he was able to encounter the love of God very personally and very powerfully. And at the end of the retreat, he says that he left changed. He went home a different man. And since then, his life has certainly had ups and downs and a sheer amount of, tr- of struggles. But nonetheless, he has changed. He's different and he's closer to God. It was beautiful to hear him tell this story, and you could just almost sense the love of God radiating from him as he was telling it. And this was his response to the question, what motivates you through suffering? For him, what motivates him through suffering is the knowledge of God's love for him. What motivates him through suffering is knowing that God has changed his life and God remains close. When we encounter God powerfully, when we have a personal experience of God's divine love for us, that changes us. In a sense, we get a glimpse of God's glory within us. And we start to crave more and more of it because we've just tasted a bit of heaven. We've tasted the power of God's love and how important it can be for our lives, and we crave it more and more. Those that have had some type of similar experience know what that's like. They crave God's love. They want more of it. It drives them not only to receive more of it, but also to share more of it with others. It's a great gift to get a glimpse of heaven a glimpse of God's love. And in today's gospel, we see that Jesus gave a glimpse of his divine love to his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John often get some special privileges in the gospels. There's certain events that they are privy to that other disciples are not. And the transfiguration is one of them. We hear that they went up a mountain to pray, And it seems as though they've been praying for a long time because the disciples fall asleep. 
But nonetheless, Jesus keeps praying, and at some moment along the way, Jesus' face becomes illuminated with the divine power of God. His face is transformed, his clothes become dazzling white, and without a doubt, God's presence is among them. Peter, James, and John wake up, and it's such an incredible experience, better than anything they've ever experienced their entire life. They see God's glory. Jesus always had God's glory, but it was veiled. It was veiled in his humanity, but right here, the transfiguration, it is revealed in all of its fullness. And in a sense, it's terrifying, but also amazing, also captivating, in a sense, magnetic, because Peter wants more of it. His heart craves more and more of God's divine love. He says, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents so we can stay here. I don't want this to ever end. It's so beautiful and amazing. Unfortunately, it was a temporary experience. It didn't last forever. And in fact, right after this experience was over, Jesus warns his disciples that he's going to have to suffer and die. He prepares them for the passion. Suffering, Jesus says, is inevitable. We can't avoid it. And in fact, interestingly enough, right before the transfiguration, the story immediately before that in Luke's gospel is also with the same message of suffering. It's that story whenever Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ. Jesus says, amazing. You get the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But then Jesus says that he is going to suffer and die. And we know, remember how that goes. Peter says, no, you won't, Lord. God forbid, please no. And Jesus says, it must be done. It's inevitable. The cross is unavoidable. And so right here, sandwiched in between, I mean, right outside the resurrection, immediately before it and immediately afterwards, we hear Jesus saying that suffering is unavoidable. It must be done. The cross has to happen. But Jesus reveals to his closest disciples the glory of his love, and that becomes motivation to propel them through the cross into the resurrection. Nothing can compare to the glory of God's love. And when you come to Mass, you have the opportunity to encounter the same glory that Peter, James, and John encountered at the transfiguration. Because the same Jesus at the transfiguration is here present in the Eucharist. The same God who revealed his glory on Mount Tabor is the same God who reveals his glory here at the altar. But in a similar way, just as Jesus was veiled in, his divinity was veiled behind his humanity, so too his divinity is veiled behind the appearance of bread. 
And we don't always see it. We don't always have that transfiguration experience when we come to Mass. We don't always have the gift of experiencing God's powerful, life-changing love in a tangible way. But some of us have at least experienced it once. Some of us maybe even more than once. And for those of us who have been blessed with the eyes of faith, for those of us who have been able to see beyond the veiled bread, the fullness of God's glory, those people crave more of it. Those people are drawn to the Eucharist. Those people want more and more of God's love to satisfy the hunger deep within their souls. And as they crave more and more of it, they crave not only just to receive it, but to share it as well. So you may uh, have noticed on the bulletin for the past couple of months, right there at the top at the front page, we have a little prayer right underneath the title of our church. It says, draw me, Lord, and we shall run. Maybe you noticed it, maybe you didn't. But we haven't even mentioned it yet. We haven't even unpacked it. We haven't even explained it yet. Draw me, Lord, and we shall run. What does this mean? Well, it's a paraphrase from the Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 4. That's a, a book in the Bible of the Old Testament. It's actually a, a poem about God's love for us. It's a beautiful poem. It's kind of hard to understand, but nonetheless, right there at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 4, a paraphrase of it is to say, draw me, Lord, and we shall run. And we could apply this in so many different ways because we're talking about poetry. But one way in which we can apply it is our posture at Mass. This is our prayer at Mass. It's twofold. Draw me, Lord, and we shall run. Draw me. What does that mean? Draw me. Jesus says in John's gospel, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. God the Father draws us to him. God draws us through Jesus to the Father. God draws us through the cross to the resurrection. God draws us through the altar to the kingdom of heaven. God draws us at Mass. When we come to Mass, we don't just sit and watch. We don't just receive. We are drawn to the altar, and we bring our whole self, everything that we have, all that we are, for better or for worse. Our sins, our imperfections, our fears, our failures, our successes, our hopes, our dreams, our joys, everything. All that we are, we come. God draws us to him through the mystery of the mass, through the mystery of Calvary into the resurrection. But that's only the first part of the prayer. You see, because love is so much more than an individual therapeutic experience. Love is so much more about you and God. Love is about drawing us together. As you are drawn, God also draws everyone else that you love. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, let us run the race with perseverance that God has put before us. 
Let us run with perseverance and endurance the race that is before us, this race of life. We are running to the Father from this world. We are enduring the trials that come to this life, but there is a final finish line. There is a prize for which we seek, the glories of heaven. But we run the race together, and as God draws you, he also draws everyone else that you love, because the purpose of Mass is not just for you to have a good experience, but for all of us to be drawn in unity to God the Father together. We run the race, not alone, but together. And together, we are drawn through the cross to the resurrection. Together, we are drawn through Jesus to the Father. Together, we are drawn through the altar to heaven. Draw me, Lord, and we shall run. This is our prayer. This is our prayer that motivates us through the trials of life. It's our prayer that challenges us to face any suffering that comes our way. It's our prayer to be holy, not only for ourselves, but for others. It's our prayer that drives our contemplative action in the world. It's our prayer that seeks intimacy with Jesus and to share his loving message with everyone. What motivates you through suffering? There is nothing that can compare to the glory of God's love that can propel you through the cross into the resurrection. Today, we pray for just a glimpse of that glory. Today, we pray for just a taste of heaven. Draw me, Lord, and we shall run. Draw me, Lord, by the power of your love, and we shall run through the cross into the resurrection.